radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. My guest today is Jurian Kamer and he is out of Utrecht in the Netherlands. He is with The Ready and he is also active under the label Agile CIO. His Twitter handle is K-A-J-U-R-R-I-A and his website is yuriankamer.com and that is with a double R and a double A. Welcome to the podcast, Yurian. Thank you. Right, awesome. So, um, you have recently, and that's a, a, a topic we want to really explore a little bit on this podcast, uh, you have recently uh, published an, an article about how to build your Spotify model, and uh, that, that is getting some traction lately. Uh, there's a lot of uh, discussions around Spotify and how they do it, and um, why this is successful. And I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, how, how did you come up um, uh, with this topic? Because uh, Spotify, I think we have to say that is uh, a company you have visited a few times. Yeah. And uh, you noticed a few things uh, that's going very, very well for that company. So, um, yeah, so how did, how did they pull this off? And uh, what is, uh, you know, what is your recommendation for, for companies out there reading through this paper? Yeah, so indeed, I've visited Spotify multiple times over the years. Uh, first time is already six years ago, uh, around 20, 2013, 2012, I think. And um, uh, so I've seen the company grow into what they currently are. Uh, and obviously, um, I think in 2016, uh, Hendrik Nieberg uh, put out their, uh, the, the Spotify engineering culture videos, which have been viewed m millions of times, I think. Um, so, so Spotify is, a, is an example for a lot of people that are looking for, for ways to, to, um, to create a structure uh, and a way of working that scales across multiple teams. Um, and although, although it's a really good example and it's a really well-described example, uh, in, in my article, I actually uh, argue uh, to not copy the model one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, so, so yeah, the the, the thing that the, the thing that makes Spotify unique is that they uh, they needed to uh, to to cope with hypergrowth and need to have an enormous uh, speed of innovation to be able to uh, outpace the competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, because when they started at the time, they were the first company to um, uh, to to innovate in the space of digital digital music subscription, it didn't exist at all. So they had no other service to uh, to copy, um, which means the need for for rapid innovation uh, was 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 theirs, and that's what their whole model is based on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the the for many other companies that's not the the reality. So that's that's one of the points I make in the article. Right. So there's there's this one aspect of Spotify that is the, the innovative technical innovation, business model innovation. Um, but then on the other side, there's also a tremendous amount of competition, right? So there's, there's several factors uh, that put stress on that system. Yeah, so, so they, they already knew from the get-go that they had to grow on a global scale um, uh, as soon as possible to be able to, uh, to outpace Google and Apple when they were going to launch their, their version of this service. So they knew for sure that Google and Apple will, would, would eventually uh, launch a similar service 
So they had to gain a certain size before uh, before they enter the market. Because if they enter the market, you need to have these customer base. Otherwise, you will probably not survive. Mm-hmm. And that's what they realized at the early early stage. So they had to. And one of the quotes from Daniel Ek, the founder, is: "We need to innovate, experiment, and learn faster than the competition." Mm-hmm. So when you look at this organizational model and the way they're working within tech product and design is that they've optimized for uh, for autonomous teams in a very radical way. Um, so they, they have not optimized for, for con- consistency or uh, for standardization. They optimized for uh, teams that could uh, innovate as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And the um, the point the point in my article and, and in, in in what I believe in it's 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 a very good model uh, for certain areas of the of your organization, especially if you need to be very deliberate at fast innovation. But it might not be the model or the the, the emphasis you want to uh, put in in other places. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to find your own organization design that fits the context that you are working in. Right. The you you just mentioned like uh, the the autonomy, right? The autonomous teams and and so forth, and that is an, an integral part of uh, what they're doing over there. There's also terms floating around. Uh, I'm very familiar with them <laughs> because I do uh, have a history with with Spotify myself, right? But there's topics around tribes, chapters, mm-hmm. guilds, squads, mm-hmm. teams. That sounds more like bureaucracy. I mean, I, I you know, I just want to hear from you. You when you dis when you discuss that Spotify model, what are the things that you feel like? Are there any any aspects of that where you feel like, well, these are things you would, should be very careful? Are the are any of these concepts where you feel like they are really good for innovation, addressing innovation and competition, or are some things that you should just leave your fingers off that topic? Well, I mean, the, the squads, chapters, and tribes uh, model is just a is just a way of uh, of cutting up the organization in pieces that that makes sense. Um, so it's about grouping together certain parts of the organization. Um, but it's true if you look at the the level, the amount of managers versus engineers in this organization, there's a huge amount of coordination uh, uh, over the team. So um, w- one thing that that not a lot of people know is that actually, on average, the ratio of uh, the amount of people that are reporting to one manager, uh, like the span of control of an average manager in, in most companies is like, I don't know, what do you think, about 20? Um, mm-hmm. When they start adding layers. Within Spotify, they actually chose to uh, to go for a ratio of one to five. Mm-hmm. So whenever there's more than five people reporting to another uh, manager, they add an additional layer. And and they so that that creates kind of a huge stack of of management layers and in, not not really in the bad sense it's been working very well for them because whatever whenever they um, they think about they talk about this they say that you know um, they think of their uh, their engineers as top athletes mm-hmm. and uh, and their people are top athletes and in order to coach uh, a top athlete at the highest level the coach can only train five athletes at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give them their full attention, so they're highly optimized for personal development, um, but that not, might, might not necessarily be the the focus you bring in your organization. Mm-hmm. Well, Spotify also has, and I don't know if you have an opinion about that, is uh, emphasizing certain values. I think the, the wording was extending the manifesto uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. I'm not sure if that's. <laughs> I, I would say some of those words um, I see there are part of the manifesto, but it's continuous improvement, iterative development, servant leadership, trust, mm-hmm. simpl- simplicity, and, and so forth. Do you have an opinion about why they were emphasized, highlighted here as an extension? Um, well, I think 
Um, so you're, you're talking about the, the Agile a la Spotify um, mm-hmm. extension of the Agile Manifesto, right? And That's you, right. You, can go, you can Google it. Um, and I, and I, I like it because it talks a little bit more about, um, about the behavior that is associated with uh, what they expect from people within Spotify. So um, w- one, of their, one of their things uh, is, is that they make very explicit about, uh, about that they expect everyone within Spotify to, uh, t- to show up and contribute to making the best of Spotify. Uh, and they, that they trust people to uh, to to bring ideas and and, and bring and bring uh, their 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 best work to to Spotify. The other thing what they emphasize is that uh, that the way they, they want managers to operate in this system, which is like like you say, servant leadership. The the, Agile, the original Agile Manifesto doesn't tell you much about about management and leadership. Mm. Um, so I, I like how they extended the the manifesto. Mm-hmm. And they and it's also printed uh, across the office in different places. So, course, so it's for everyone like visible to see. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I'm speaking here with uh, Jurian Kamer um, out of the Netherlands, and we're talking about the Spotify model. And we're going to return to this conversation in just one moment. Agile is all about inspection and adaptation, and so is Agile FM. If you like the show, please visit the show page of Agile FM on iTunes and leave a comment rating for us. You can now also visit Agile FM website and leave a comment about a specific individual episode online. I am here with Jurian Kamer out of the Netherlands and Jurian uh, and I were talking about Spotify. We're talking about this, the article you wrote about how to build your own Spotify model. Um, we talked about that this is not to be blindfoldedly uh, copied to an organization. But there's got to be something in it that is, uh, we could say, that is a general advice for other organizations might not be in such a highly competitive, maybe not in a highly um, technology innovative kind of environment other companies could take away from. Uh, We recently saw Joachim Sundin, who has worked with uh, Spotify in the past, and he also always points out, do not just copy this model. But what is in there where you feel like that is something a company could literally take and says like this is a good idea is there anything in there where you feel like this is a good extension for anything it could be about scaling could be anything well well sure i think i I think it's it's important to to note that the spotify model the way it was described by henrik nieberg i think already in 2012 it doesn't exist exactly in that way um it it was a snapshot like a photograph of 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 a certain state that works very well in different places um, so, uh, and, and it, it highly, um, uh, emphasized autonomous teams over anything else. And I think that is a good thing. I mean, I, I, uh, when, when it comes to the future of organizations, I don't believe that the, the hierarchical, uh, way of operating the command and control model that, that it was, um, uh, that we inherited from the industrial age is, is a way of operating in the future that works. Um, so having self-management, self-managing teams and autonomous teams that are organized around a certain mission is definitely uh, a principle that I believe in. Uh, that 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 is also present in the Spotify model. Mm-hmm. Anything around um, scaling? I mean, there's also a lot of talking about scaling in the uh, in the sense of Spotify. Is there anything? Uh, there are lots of scaling methods and and uh, frameworks and so forth out there. Um, anything uh, you would say there is a takeaway from from Spotify? Yeah, so they they talk. So in the Spotify model, they 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 talk about um, 
decoupling things, right? So making making sure that, uh, and also when it comes to technical architecture, make sure that the services are decoupled as much as possible. Um, and make sure that these teams are actually able to deliver end-to-end uh, uh, certain functionality. Um, uh, and, and I think that is a, um, a, a very good scaling model. And a lot of times when it comes to scaling is, can we actually uh, cut it into pieces in a way that we keep this autonomy and you don't need to manage all those dependencies. A lot of the scaling frameworks that I know uh, actually talk about uh, uh, a lot of dependencies and doing a lot of big upfront planning to sync and align a lot of different teams. But I think what you really want to do is maybe descale uh, your projects instead. Try mm-hmm. to descale uh, things so it actually fits in in self-managing teams. Mm-hmm. So that is some some one of the principles principles I like a lot in uh, in how Spotify is organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, maybe we just uh, expand a little bit on the conversation of uh, you know Spotify, maybe other companies. Is there any any pattern you see that those typical classic companies uh, which we always refer to as successful with with agile? Um, like the Spotify, right, but also Airbnb, Facebook, and so forth, um, mm-hmm. and the many, many others where you would say, like, these are, they stand out, and, and, and many conferences you hear about these companies. Um, is there anything in, in your opinion and in, in your experience where you feel like these are the common patterns of, of success when you look at those companies? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, and I, I visited most of the, or actually all of the companies you just mentioned um, uh, in, in 2013, 2014, I've, I visited uh, a lot of companies in Silicon Valley and studied actually how they, how they actually work. Um, and uh, one of the biggest commonalities between these organizations is that they are all in kind of a continuous state of change, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to a lot of the, the, the top-down agile implementations I see. Uh, they don't think of their organization as a blueprint that it's up that is updated only once every two years. It's um, uh, an organization that is like in a continuous state of change, where change is no longer uh, um, something threatening, mm-hmm. but it's something that's a normal business as usual uh, thing. And the other thing is that when when they're shaping their change and when they're evolving their organization, uh, they create moments of retrospection uh, where they involve everyone in the organization. Mm-hmm. So there there are some articles out there that describe um, a kind of whole organization retrospectives and building that into your operating rhythm. So you you make sure your organization always evolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very different from um, from what you see in traditional companies where. Uh, only the few at the top uh, have the job to think of the new model that they're going to introduce in a big bank change program uh, only mm-hmm. every two years and then freeze the organization again because that change, the period of change is actually very, uh, very annoying. So we want to keep the change period as, soon, as, as short as possible. Mm-hmm. So unfreeze and freeze really quickly. Um, while these organizations are in a state of something we call it already a continuous participatory change. Mm-hmm. We're continuously evolving and experimenting in our model. The, the companies we just listed and the ones you just said like you had visited in the past, many of them have not existed 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them are large today, such as the Spotify we just talked about and lots of engineering uh, personnel um, working for them. Um, there's also something you just mentioned about sense and respond to over plan and predict. And mm-hmm. the companies which we just not listen, uh, listed as, a, as, as one of those innovative companies, some of them struggle with an implementation of uh, sense and respond. 
why do you think they struggle so much and are there any things that they can do to, to improve that way of becoming similar to the companies which obviously succeed very, very well with this approach? Yeah, I, th I think it's for a large part a big paradigm shift. I mean, if you're, if you're programmed not only in your mindset and beliefs that the future can be something that can be planned for and you can create a perfect plan and that you can execute, execute on, um, that is a big, big shift away from from a mindset where you actually approach all these challenges as a as a as a complex problem, which uh, inherently doesn't uh, allow itself to be planned. And the only way to actually make sense of it is to sense and respond and iterate really quickly. It's such a big, big paradigm shift that I yeah, it's it's not a surprise that that companies are struggling to to find that uh, find a way to move into that space. And it's also because a lot of the a lot of the structures um, and processes and practices and policies in those organizations are are inherently not uh, focused on on uh, on sense and respond. Um, so, actually, my um, when you look at my background, I've been involved in agile transformations for for many years. But I, I became increasingly kind of frustrated with our with the ability uh, of agile transformations to break through. Uh, that layer of uh, of the organizational operating system, which handles, for example, um, budgets, uh, decision making, um, uh, every, all the kind of the legacy structures that that organizations usually won't change when they do an agile transformation, at least not in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's where you feel there's a kind of a, a ceiling or um, yeah, a ceiling of, of of the organizational drag. Uh, you cannot break through if you don't really are ready to address those things as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So um, you know, def definitely, there is there is this. The, the companies out there, let's say, they plan and predict, and that's their history. And if you task them to do an agile transformation, they might follow a plan and predict approach for the transformation, right? Which is obviously uh, uh, contains flaws, I would say, mm. to, to, to say the least. When people uh, go to your website at yurian.com, uh, 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 they might actually watch a video. Uh, from you, uh, which is, is listed there. It's, I think it's a YouTube video as well mm -hmm. about Formula One and what we can learn from that in agile transformations. Uh, without going into all the details of the mm. talk, talk to you give and the video itself, but on a on a high level, what can we learn from Formula One? That sounds very interesting. Yeah, um, true. And um, so, uh, as an organization designer, I'm always looking for examples of of progressive organizations, and uh, it's interesting how. Uh, the, the the sport of Formula One is an example um, that that creates the environment for high speed innovation in a highly regulated environment. Um, mm. So 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 to, to give you a little bit of a taste of that, the, these these teams, these Formula One teams, they are not small. Um, uh, most Formula One teams that create only two cars and two for two drivers are about 800 to 1500 people. So these are fairly mid-sized to even large organizations. Um, so it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's easy to, to draw a metaphor from a 10-people sports team. No, we're actually talking about 1,000 people that have to work together to create two cars. Um, and interesting, if you look at how Formula One teams are organized, um, you see a lot of agile things uh, shining through. So, for example, um, after the race, uh, they spend about two hours together to review and learn what happened. And they go through all the all the steps uh, uh, of, of the race, like what is the strategy? How did the tires perform? How did the gearbox uh, perform? Uh, what happened in the, in, the, in the engine? They go through this huge checklist to kind of debrief every single step after the race. And actually this debriefing takes longer than the actual race. 
and it allows them to kind of um, uh, download all the insights and all the, uh, the the lessons they need to take into the next cycle. Uh, because Formula One races are uh, are every two weeks. Um, they have this cadence, this rhythm, this operating rhythm with these learning and reflection moments built in. So that's definitely one of the agile principles at, at work. Wow. Uh, so that, that's just one example. And, and, and they, they, it inter- it's interesting that they, uh, they, they have this cycle of creating uh, new innovations for their cars, uh, for, for some parts of their car mm-hmm. that actually are, are, within, are within two weeks, right? So, so they, they download the data uh, of the race and they immediately start working on the updated parts um, that they churn out uh, in a very short time. So this, these cars are are like they're always in a different configuration on the circuit. There's a, there's they're they're never in the same uh, the same mode, and that's mm-hmm. pretty similar from from uh, modern day digital services, which is always 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 evolving and always a new version. Yeah, so a ton of sense and respond going on right there. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 a very data driven culture. Yes. Um, all the all the decisions are based on data, not on not on opinions. Mm-hmm. So so they've learned to to master their their skills in that uh, in that area. Excellent empiricism, wonderful. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, Yuri, on your on your side, you you are very passionate about the future of work. Uh, that is a, a term mm-hmm. that stands out a few times. Um, what do you think is the future of work? Where we're where we're heading? It's 2018. Where do you, what what do you think we'll be talking about in 2020 or further out? Yeah, it's funny how, how the future of work is something that that uh, I increasingly think of. That the future of work today, <laughs> not in 2020. Uh, it's funny. It's always fun to brainstorm about what might what might be true in 2020. But it's more useful to think of uh, how can we update our current organizational state today to something that is more future proof, right? So that's another way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the future of work, yeah, I'm I'm I'm. Um, uh, very interested and very um, active in in promoting self-management within organizations. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, apart from, from Agile, I, I've studied uh, and practiced uh, uh, elements from, from holacracy and from sociocracy uh, and from a lot of other uh, streams of future practices like beyond budgeting and others. Uh, and they all kind of contain pieces of the puzzle, I think, to create an organizational operating system that is uh, better fit for the future, that's moving away from this industrial age uh, way of working and challenging all the assumptions that we've been holding over the last hundred years about how an organization should function. Mm-hmm. How, how would they How would they function? Uh, if we're saying we're going to go for self-management, let's say, do we still need managers? Well, it depends. Um, I, I think... You might need um, some roles of, of, of coordination, but you can also trust uh, more on, on the capability of, of self-organizing teams, right? So, so already you see within Agile that the role of the manager uh, gets questioned uh, or at least gets deconstructed quite a bit. We, we've put in a, a servant leadership role of the product owner and we, we've put a different frame around it. Um, so, so I, I, I've worked with quite a lot of companies that are very far on the agile, uh, scale that are already thinking about is manager the right term for, for our people managers, right? Do we, should they, they just become coaches or, so what you see basically breaking down is the traditional hierarchy of, I hold the power and I can, uh, uh I can make decisions that impact you and you just have to listen to me. Mm-hmm. That is really an aspect of management that is going away, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, I mean, um, Still, you have you have different people with different uh, levels of influence and power based on their experience 
uh, and based on their seniority in the system. But these positions are not formalized um, uh, into a position of power where where it's just the fact that this person holding this title is now the boss of everyone, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you can still do that, but I think you're missing out the opportunity. Um, if you do that, you miss out on the opportunity to involve everyone and let all the uh, uh, people uh, be involved in, in updating and, and uh, in evolving the organization to their next level. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's take this example, for example, the coordination. I like that word, actually, for... Um know from a, from a management for coordinative uh, factors but there's this other trend going on in our industry and that is distributed work remote work uh, where the teams not necessarily sit next to each other maybe not even in a in an organization where uh, called managers leaders or coordinators um, mm -hmm. aren't necessarily next to each other how do you feel about um, the impact of, of remote work distributed work um, in the context of where you see the future of work Yeah, and that's that's a, a very good uh, uh, that that's that's great that you just asked the question because it's just um, a couple of days ago that I launched an article about how how GitLab uh, makes remote work work for them. Mm -hmm. So GitLab is a fast-growing um, uh, company uh, with about 300 people. Uh, at the moment, and they have no headquarters. They have people, and I have to quote from my head, I think they have people in about 30 different countries uh, distributed all across the globe that are, they're working together on the on the GitLab uh, product. Um, and the, the interesting thing about their uh, example is that they are um, fully in the open. So their, 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 their company handbook um, is open source. You can look them up in their website. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, there's a kind of a written down description of how the organization functions. Um, and, and that's one of the big things that they, that they do to make sure remote work is working is that everything is written down. Uh, and it enables a, an asynchronous workflow where people can just open up their laptops at whatever time they feel is useful and they look at the, the tasks at hand and they look at, um, uh, at the responsibilities or questions that their colleagues have been asking, for example, through Slack, mm -hmm. and they just interact with that. And then whenever it's time for them to leave again, they, they just close their laptops. Um, I think it can be hugely liberating if you can create a company where uh, where people don't ever, ever need to commute to work anymore and they can just simply decide where on the planet um, they they can uh, fulfill their personal needs uh, uh, best and, um, and just, just buy a house there, sit there. As long as you have internet connectivity, you can be of use. Mm -hmm. But of course, the, 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 the other side of the same coin is that we are humans and we need social interaction with each other. And although um, uh, the, the video conferencing tools are getting better and better, uh, we do need some real face-to-face -face time uh, every, once in, so, uh, every once in a while. And that's why GitLab, for example, um, holds a summit every nine months. They fly in everyone from all parts of the globe to one centralized uh, place mm -hmm. uh, and spend a week together. Uh, to to work together on the on the on the organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. You no. Know, even even the two of us, right? We met at doing a conference a few weeks ago in um, April um, 18 and in Munich, and it was just very easy for us to you know make some decisions about exactly this podcast and, and other things we were uh, discussing at that point. Than mm -hmm. doing this remotely, right? So it, there's something about proximity and 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 so forth. But there, you, you're absolutely right. The video conferencing capabilities are getting. Uh, better and better um, every year mm -hmm. yeah yeah and especially if you have if you have knowledge workers that are able to autonomously uh, do do whatever they need 
uh, even if they work in a team. Um, I mean, GitLab is a software product, so um, so uh, a, a, a big part of the organization is is focused on creating new new software code. Uh, or helping clients with uh, implementations and stuff, and th- those are typically tasks that th- that can easily be done remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you will see more and more startups uh, uh, deciding to not have an head office at all and just uh, be fully remote. Yeah, and they can just imagine what kind of impact that would have on cities, communities, and and mm-hmm. so forth and so forth. Right. So there's another way for uh, change coming <laughs> for yeah. municipals. Um, Yurian, I, I do want to thank you for, for your time and sharing some of your thoughts around the Spotify, Future of Work, Formula One. We touched on a few topics, Sense and Respond. Um, but before we leave here, um, on your website, on uh, Yurian uh, Kamar, and that is with a double R and a double A, uh, there is a way of getting in touch with you and you know starting a dialogue with you. So whoever is interested, just click on that button and uh, get in touch with you. And uh, and you and you take it from there. But it was very insightful what you have to say, and um, maybe some of those listeners out there uh, might uh, see you in a keynote or present at some of the conferences and uh, get a deeper dive into Formula One. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Joe. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Same here. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.